the best thing you can do to protect community is to keep a safe distance from others. This means two big steps. You should watch out for any symptoms of coronavirus in yourself and in your family. Even if you feel well, you could spread the virus to others without knowing. Get tested, even if you only have mild symptoms. You can help stop the spread of coronavirus. For more information, go to the New South Wales Government website at nsw.gov.au. Station sponsor. Good morning, everyone, and uh, coming through a bit loud there. Welcome to another edition of the Men's Mental Health Show. Um, joined today, uh, of course, by my co-host, Bodie Marsden. Good morning, Bodie. Good morning. How's things, mate? How's your week been? Yeah, that's good. I've just combed my hair, so I'm looking lovely. And um... <laughs> I was going to get in there before you. That is so unfair. He's rocked up and he said, just excuse me a minute, Spillo. I've just got to go and brush my hair. It's, uh, it's actually getting quite long. I mean, yeah, I'm trying to grow it long, and uh, the wife wants to uh, get a ponytail um, sort of happening and that sort of stuff, so... All right. Uh, she loves uh, older men of long hair, so there, there we go. I'm giving it a crack. Good now, on when you. I was um, about 24, um, I did look like Brother Francis, uh, long flowing hair and uh, that sort of <laughs> stuff. Smoked a pipe. I'm quite a sight, really, and uh, wore uh, overalls. Um, uh, you know, a strong attachment to to working class, um, and the hair was absolutely beautiful. A great big mane. Of, uh, <laughs> I'll of take your word for it. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, here I am having another crack at it. Uh, you know, 71, and you're lucky you so. can, mate. Isn't it wonderful? Yeah, yeah. The, no. sil- the silver fox with nice, lovely yeah. long locks. That, that's it. The silver, silver fox, fox and long and long, long locks. locks. Well, that could be a start of a poem, that could be. I think, uh, I think Bodie's got his, uh, I've got a good new, new nickname for the boaster, the Silver Fox. We'll go we'll run with that. It's all about, um, you know, uh, I was actually going to talk about that today, actually, humour and hiding behind depression with humour and whatnot is, is one of the topics. But, um, you know, you're right. We're actually also being joined today by... Um, uh, and we're very fortunate to have him, uh, Chief Inspector Gary Sims, who's, of course, from the local... Uh, area command of Windsor, um, but uh, he's a local uh, uh, Blue Mountains resident. Of course, he's um, uh, ambassador for Are You OK, uh, which was last Thursday, and uh, and also runs the Walk and Talk up here, which uh, is held um, on a monthly um, basis. And, and it'd be great to get uh, as many people involved with that as you can. There's also another Walk and Talk, which is held in... in Blue Mountains, uh, in Lawson, sorry, uh, and that's called the Mid Mountains Walk and Talk. This one, another one also too in the Nepean area, which you can uh, check out. Uh, but this uh, a fair bit to sort of, uh, I need to just say before I go too far, um, too much further, of course, uh, a big thanks to uh, the sponsors of the show, Noel Pope, Greater Lawson Community, down there from the post office. Um, without uh, the support from Noel, um, we wouldn't uh, be able to have this show up and running. We've now got headsets for everybody. They can hear themselves loud and clear and know when they need to be closer or further away from the microphone, which is always handy. Uh, saves me sort of moving the dials back and forth, up and down. And um, I want to just uh, talk a, a, a briefly about what Noel's up to. He, he rides uh, for mental health and he rides mountain bikes um, and, and Noel's... Oh, goodness, he's, he's well into his 60s, he's, mm. uh, but he's as fit as they come. He's a terrific, terrific man. Um, but he's doing a ride that's coming up this Friday, Saturday and Sunday. Uh, the first leg, uh, he's starting in Lithgow, um, and he'll, he'll follow the, uh, through Rydal, through the, the rail line, sorry, to, uh, to Bathurst. Uh, the first night, I believe, it's about 85-kilometre walk, uh, kilometre bike ride, I beg your pardon. So it's a, that's a pretty, that's actually the smallest leg, I think. So the second leg is between Bathurst and the bridal track to Hill End, uh, to Safala, um, which is 100 kilometres. And then, of course, coming back uh, on the third day is another 100k bike ride. So almost 300 kilometres over three days, which will be a pretty um, astonishing effort for, for Noel and um, his two mates that are going along with him. Uh, so, yeah, mate, all the best with that. And also to another uh, big thanks, of course, to uh, my good mate, Dale Hunt, and the Mounties group uh, down there in uh, Mount Pritchard. Um, I've known Dale for a number of years. Uh, I was actually on the board, as I may have mentioned, a number of occasions of Harbour Diggers uh, over on the Northern Beaches before I moved up to the lovely Blue Mountains five years ago. I served just over nine years. And um, it was good to be involved with clubs and uh, in the community. And... 
I think I was affiliated with the cricket club there for over 21 years, uh, so it was nice to be able to give back a little bit of uh, my time to helping other sporting clubs and, um, you know, I've remained in, in close contact with Dale ever since and that's uh, the reason behind um, his uh, generosity, which is greatly appreciated, to be able to pay our fees Absolutely. for the website, which is, uh, incidentally, folks, www.mensmentalhealthshow.com. Um, you can also hear back these podcasts or what you're listening to now. We'll put into a podcast through various platforms, including your iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio or Mixcloud. Um, it's all available for you. And, um, yeah, we're going to just uh, kick off for a, a song and hopefully uh, the Chief will be in here to join us. If not, we'll, we'll get things started between us, Bates. Yep, that's back. the way. Awesome. Back in a moment. Uh, I was just chatting to Bodes actually in the break. All the all the songs uh, that I, that I play, when of course we don't have live musicians with Dan, uh, Nick Danter and uh, Maddie Tonks, um, all have a reference to to mental health, um, which uh, you know I, I, I picked out myself, of course. But that's a, a song about being recluse, you know, just being locked inside, not wanting to get outside, and and you know face the world of I guess that we all do at times, um, but particularly if you're acutely depressed. Um, uh, but it, it, it's, uh, you know, I love that song. You know, I can closely relate to that, or I could on yeah, yeah, many no, occasions. Yeah, absolutely. It's you know. wonderful. I was, um, uh, a friend of mine sent me a link uh, to Maya Angelo, who's a black American woman, uh, just recently passed away. Um, and she found her uh, voice and recovery uh, through, through poetry. Um, and um, uh, she's responsible for... Uh, just because of her activism for women, black American women, in the United States of America, um, to speak up and to uh, come from their place of um, insight and understanding. She writes beautiful poetry. But the story was somewhat tragic. Um, at seven and a half, she was raped by a close family member. Uh, and um, you know, so young, uh, she ended up being hospitalised. Um, but through a long chain of events, see, she decided that she would no longer talk, so she became mute. And she had about seven years of actually... Not um, saying a word. Not saying a word. Wow. And, um, you know, the family that's, that's were upset, of course. That's she was from the... From the well, she, she just felt that her voice was dangerous. Um, um, she she had told her brother about who it was, and and um, the person was found a day later, um, kicked to death. And she felt that she was because she told because her brother. Because she spoke up. Because she spoke up, yeah. And um, but what was, what was marvelous? She said there was a um, she was she was telling the story um, in this uh, um, podcast that um, another black American woman um, was taught her how to read and she, and she, she um, also said to her, you know, you have a voice and you must read, you must know about this world. So she you, brought her into the public library and taught her how, how to read and what's to, what to read and built a very strong relationship with Maya Angelou over a period of time. Keep going. Um, then... Um, she, um, one day she said to Maya, she said, um, do you love poetry? And um, she writes on a little tablet, yeah, I love poetry. And um, the woman said, you don't really love poetry until you let the words slip through your mouth and utter the words through your tongue. And um, she just kept following her, her, um, her, uh, her around, this woman. Wow. She said, you must you must let the poetry come through your mouth. And um, she folded around the whole day, harassing her. Um, and in the end, um, Mia Angelo hid under, the, uh, under her house and um, started to recite her poem. And, and uh, she regathered her voice. She's written the most beautiful poetry. That's uh, Maya a, a, Angelou. a remarkable But she song. became, yeah, yeah, uh, uh, she used her voice from that point on when she recovered. Mm. And, and I think, you know, we're talking about men's mental health. It's a, we're always talking about recovery too. Mm. You know, the pathway to recovery, the pathway to becoming, a pathway to growing up, mm. a, a pathway to taking responsibility, mm. a pathway to becoming a more complex and deeper human being. Mm. And um, I just thought I'd recite that story because um, the gift of Maya Angelou in the recovery of her voice mm. is that she spoke powerful, 
powerfully about um, women, black American women, um, speaking up um, for justice and for rights and for um, their voice. Mm. And mm. Um, she's an inspiration. That's a remarkable story, Bates. Thank you. Um, you know, and to hear things like that, and it must be just such a great role model. And um, you know, you, you, it inspires me just to hear things like that. You know, it's a terrific story. Thanks for sharing that. Um, no I want to sort of talk a little bit further on that. But um, who's just come in late to class? Is uh, I, have, I, have, I have a you, note. <laughs> you have a note. <laughs> right. I know your notes. You write them yourself. <laughs> See, I can read through you like a golden book. I, I left. I wrote it left-handed. <laughs> I beg your pardon. Say I'm coming through a bit loud. Uh, welcome, mate. How you been? You've been down the border. Yes, down the border. Got home uh, to the mountains very late last night after um, a week Goodness. away on deployment. Deployment 15 with um, looking after four checkpoints on the on the beautiful Murray River. Wow, wow. Did you get, but you didn't get much time to go up and down the Murray River or see I some good. I sure did. Oh, you did. Good yeah. on you. I. Um, do you take your golf sticks down there? Because there's some good golf courses. There are, but no, I don't. Uh, um, I, I was fortunate enough, I was forward commander for four checkpoints. My furthest checkpoint was uh, two hours 15 away. So about a four and a half hour return drive to get out to those guys and girls. And I uh, had, had another three. So we were on averaging, uh, you know, 450 uh, kilometres a day. Uh, the vehicle the, uh, we were using, we were knocking over a thousand k's a day on average. Oh, goodness gracious. Yeah. So That's three shifts. Was it, was it a nice comfy vehicle they gave you at least? I hope. It was. Um, changed uh, vehicles on I think about day two. Right. Uh, Would you one. run that one in the ground, the original one? I, <laughs> You're going to tell I me. I got very did. close to some wildlife. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. Well, I understand. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Those bloody things they got me too going over yeah. to Perth. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that, mate. Yeah, yeah but um, a wonderful experience you know, working alongside our colleagues from the ADF. We had uh, Raffies with us at our four checkpoints. Wow. Uh, working with uh, our, our people. Uh, we got to meet the locals. Just yeah. uh, fantastic, uh, salt-of-the-earth people. You know. Isn't that wonderful? You know, um, because I wanted to ask you in, in, in depth about... Uh, there's just so much angst that all, all you're seeing through the media... Where, of course, we're not seeing... And that's what media is. We don't really see a lot of positive stuff that comes out of it. That's why I try not to watch the news, but fortunately I do sometimes. Um, it's just the aggro and the rage, but you would have met some beautiful people at the same time. I mean, so, I can understand yeah. their frustrations. Fantastic uh, country people and you know, police from all around the state mixing with uh, the locals, hearing about how they're going and uh, just helping one another, talking mm. about uh, what was happening and the, the opportunity for our people to work find out the capacity, the capabilities of the ADF. Yeah. Uh, we had uh, lots of good experiences with them. Yeah. Um, one of our checkpoints in a small country location uh, near a town called uh, Euston. Um, we have a problem. I, I actually got the <laughs> chance to do that. <laughs> they You're had, always they, creating they, problems, They had an too. issue uh, on about day two, I think I was down there, maybe day three, and I had to call it back into the command post. <laughs> And I said to a, to a colleague, I said, I've been waiting all week to say this. And so I'd say what? I I've said, Houston has a problem. <laughs> so it uh, wouldn't be uh, right to uh, uh, give the exact reply that I got. But um, no, the, the ADF, I mean, our people, we do five days on the ground a day travel. The ADF are down there for six-week-plus deployments. They are doing it uh, even harder still. Mm. And they're... Um, they're, they're probably doing 12-hour shifts too, I'd imagine. Some no, of them. we're all working about uh, somewhere between uh, eights and uh, eights and tens, so we wow. roll, roll across three shifts a day, a morning, afternoon and night shift. Wow. Yeah. All right. Yeah, well, hats off to you, mate, and your colleagues and also too to the ADF. And, and did you say the Air Force as well were involved? Yeah, in from the Australian <laughs> Defence Force. Uh, all of the uh, ADF um, organisations, Army, Navy, Air Force, wow. are involved in this operation. And we had uh, we had raffies at our our four places, and they work uh, side by side. And they uh, their logistical support is second yeah. to none. If you need uh, something moved uh, in a, in a manner that it needs to be moved and have it done, yeah. they're the uh, the guys and girls to get it done. That's for sure. Yeah, that's wonderful. Well, you know, uh, congratulations and a massive thanks, um, mate. Once again. Look, uh, Brad, we, we consider it an honour to be out there and, and helping people doing what we need to do. It's basically things that we train for, for uh, frontline police. It's a really good experience to get away from 
the day-to-day things they do, mm. uh, you know, getting off the truck and uh, for many of them experiencing country policing for the first time. Mm. Mm. You know, when uh, when we get down there, everyone sort of scrambles around madly looking for their OC spray to put into their belts mm. and after about the first uh, day or two they realise... We're not going to need We're not going to need this <laughs> stuff, yeah. Isn't it wonderful when you say that you consider that an honour? I think I was talking to Bodie uh, at some stage in relation to... Um, volunteers and and whatnot. Not that police obviously are volunteers, but you're not really. A lot of police don't do the job for the money. It's because they'd like to help people because they get to have the opportunities to do things such as uh, what we've been talking about just now and and, and many other things. Um, it takes a special person, obviously, to become an officer alone. But um, a lot of, a lot of the time, you speak to people and they'll say that um, the reason they joined was to make a difference. Yeah, and that's sort of. Um, down there, they're making a difference and yeah. um, working in well. I mean, that the uh, particularly those border towns, the restrictions eased while we're down there. Yeah. Uh, prior to uh, when we first got there, there was only four uh, um, exemptions for them to come across into New South Wales, uh, so it was fairly tight. Yeah. Uh, with improving conditions in regional Victoria, they were able to remove the the restrictions. They still need permits uh, to. Uh, to cross, but now they can um, at least have that movement backwards and forwards. Yeah, and and I'm sorry, Bones, if I, you want to get in here, but you know, I'm, I'd imagine that from what I've been seeing and reading, it would have felt so much more frustrating for those regional, which is where you guys were based, uh, those regional residents, because there's no corona, there's no cases out there that have. Um, uh, come across, I think now in almost three weeks, um, or I think there was one and a half, but that was sort of down Geelong way, mm. or one to two cases, I was saying. So, uh, you know, I, I would have thought that the angst between, or, you know, the frustration, I guess, between the, the, the regional Victorians as opposed to those that want to try and get across through the Princess Highway from coming up, obviously, through Melbourne. But it wasn't so much the case. That's right. And, uh, you know, we had a lot of unfortunate times where we had to um, apply the law and the regulations to the letter, mm-hmm. where you'd have people that have left New South Wales, travelled through Victoria, uh, attempted to get into South Australia and mm. bounce back from, from there, mm. uh, and then they try to cross back into New South Wales. We say, got bad news for you, buddy. Mm-hmm. If you want to come back in, you fly to Sydney and you self-quarantine for 14 days in a hotel. Crikey. Yeah. Uh, and it's just people sort of leaving the state without sort of realising what the implications are of uh, travel yeah. at the moment. Yeah. I think um, it's commendable to both um, uh, Daniel Andrews as well that I think is doing a terrific job. But personally, um, I know it must be tough. He can't make everybody happy. But also, too, to our Premier, um, for allowing the crossover, uh, even with the permits, and even though restrictions have now been eased, as you said, you know, I, I, the people up north, on the other hand, it's a completely different story when they're needing to have, you know, we saw the story of the young girl that couldn't even go to her father's funeral. Yes. Um, mm. There's also people that, you know, need treatment. Um, for some people that have cancer, I've heard, that, you know, can't get across uh, to see their oncologists. Um, you know, so it's, it's a... I take my hats off to both premiers from um, here in Mexico. It's, a, it's good of them. I just want to say also too, which I'm going to put up, it's a terrific shirt you got, mate. It's a good one. Always isn't it? was and always it will is. be. Yes. Because um, we've got NADOC week coming up. And um, I, I keep, sorry, Bates, I keep sort of cutting things out. We've, of course, as I mentioned a moment ago, uh, you are an RUOK ambassador. Um, we had RUOK day last Thursday. Yes, big um, week. Yeah, yeah, so it would have been a massive week for you. Yes, had a lot of um, online engagements, uh, did some um, virtual seminars and uh, delivered a, a very important message to, uh, to a lot of, lot of organisations, just reminding them that um, Are You OK Day is a day of national awareness. It's, it's not the only day that you uh, ask that question. It's to remind people that every day is the time when you uh, look out for each other. Yeah. And given the things that are happening at the moment with the increase in suicide rate, uh, particularly with our youth, it's uh, a real concern through a lot of uh, a lot of people that uh, our, our rates of isolation, depression, and potentially suicide are going to be increasing as uh, time goes on, and the effects of fighting the pandemic uh, take hold. Mm-hmm. You know, we've uh, uh, we'll have a an economy and an environment that, even if the virus is contained, 
and controlled a little bit, there's still going to be a lot of people who are uh, out of work and have, have lost their dreams and aspirations and whose life won't be the same uh, potentially uh, ever again. So we've just got to get out there and look after one another. Mm. Well, well said, well said. Yeah, I've got two clients at the moment who um, you know, have, uh, have suicide in the family story. Um, um, one, um, one young man um, was deeply considering taking his own life. Um, so we've been exploring um, the, the, the suicide narrative, the story that came up for him um, and um, looking for kind of new insights for him about um, uh, en- endings and beginnings. This is such an interesting thing for him, is um, that kind of absolute idea of an ending by taking his own life as a consideration, as against the ending of something, a chapter in his life and a new beginning. Mm. And um, building up um, um, optimism in, in his capacity to begin um, so that the narrative of endings as a suicide option mm. uh, becomes less and less a, a valid meme that sits in his mind. Um, he's fully now invested in new beginnings. Wow. And, um, you know, I think that's um, part of our, our, our work of Are You OK? Because um, sometimes all of us can fall into holes um, in our minds that uh, start to close the door on... Um, you, you know, having a life and uh, having desire and a, and a willingness to invest in living, mm. and um, and uh, you know that at so many levels, there's a big a trauma, collective trauma summit happening um, right throughout the world at the moment um, via a website um, based in New York, um, and it's exploring at so many levels the uh, reality of trauma and how that can be um, epigenetically passed on through generation upon generation um, unless there is a healing uh, event that really starts to pick up on that collective trauma. And now I guess the Desmond Tutu's famous uh, Ubanta, um, the reconciliation and, and truth um, uh, work that he did right throughout the country in South Africa um, when um, um, the big change in apartheid and um, and that really was a chance for um, individual stories mm. um, to be explored um, and to be heard. And um, in that hearing, um, a, a deep apology um, so that some connection could occur, so that the country had a chance to move beyond the trauma into a new, um, um, a new beginning. So that's a powerful... Um, uh, invitation. I was I was listening again to this um, this uh, a, a, an Aboriginal world a word I can't remember from what uh, tribal group it comes from, but it's called dadiri, um, and it means to listen or deep listening. Um, and um, the words that I wrote down was um, dadiri is to breathe with me, to listen to me deeply. And in that deep listening, we forge a connection. Mm. And that, to me, seems to be the essence of healing. Well, that's the absolute essence of healing, isn't, isn't it? Isn't it? And, um, and there is lots of uh, trauma um, in individual lives. And I think if we're, are, are you okay? I mean, it's a simple act of, mm. of that is, is, is an invitation. Mm. Um, and if someone is willing to say, no, I'm not, um, you know, can we, you know, organise some time um, to actually respond to, uh, so, um, or you know, find some resources. Um, but to uh, you know, if we provide an invitation, are you okay? Um, let's go deeply into that. If somebody says no, I'm not. Mm. Yeah? Mm. No, terrific points. As always, Bodes. Um, you know, uh, I think uh, the fact that uh, you, you you simplify things as well makes it so much easier for for our listeners. But uh, you make some terrific points there. Um, mm. that, that's why the um, the message that we gave this year was um, there's more to say after are you okay yeah yeah, yeah. and uh, giving people the tools and the confidence on how to respond to that um, no yeah, I'm not absolutely yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, you know how to uh, encourage some action and how to support people and if, um, if if they can do nothing else because we know that the people who ask the questions 
unlike yourself, aren't uh, formally trained or qualifications. Mm. But all they, all they need to be able to do is to say to someone, I'm here for you. Yeah. 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 And what can we do? And that just makes such a, a powerful difference to let someone know that um, I'm, I'm here. I, I, I can't understand how you're feeling because it's yeah. that's you, but yeah. I can imagine how tough it is. And what can I do to help? Yeah. I think that's a terrific point too, Gaz. Um, and to be not not to be judgmental, of course, as well. Um, I, I talk about it quite often. A lot of times when people say, "What do I say if someone says they're suicidal?" Well, the first thing people say is, "Why?" Well, that it can come across as judgmental for a lot of people that are in that uh, acute state. But um, no, it's a, I think you need to look beyond that point of, are you okay? What, what can I do? You know, would you like me to spend more time? Get, let's go for a walk together. Um, obviously, we, with yourself in the walk and talk, it's a great opportunity mm -hmm. for people to, uh, to, once you're walking, once your, your body's moving, your, your mind seems to move mm -hmm. a lot of, uh, easier as well. So to just come up with suggestions, come from a place of love, as we've always said as well. Um, That's right. But they're ter terrific points, both boys. Thanks. Yeah. I think walking in solidarity um, um, is such an, uh, an interesting thing to do, isn't it, um, to, uh, to even think about. Um, on, on the surface, it just feels like um, um, nothing really, but solidarity uh, um, is a feeling of actually belonging and that um, someone actually has a feeling of consideration about mm. my reality. It's very, uh, um, very tribal. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That is solidarity. Yeah. Um, I'm no longer floating in my own sort of kind of anxiety. Um, I'm suddenly regathered in. Uh, because of that deep listening or that walking mm. with me. So. And, and what we do with uh, Walk and Talk for Life um, through the generous sponsorship of uh, Bendigo Bank, every walker gets a shirt and we're all tramping through the bush there looking like our, our bumblebees. Yes, of course. So they, uh, they look a group, they walk as a group and it, it just gives that sense of, uh, of belonging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, Absolutely. some terrific things. Of course, I've got to mention too, Bodie, your shirt. I've uh, got the, uh, the Maori. Uh, symbolised uh, Aotearoa, uh, Kiwi shirt, obviously for those uh, that don't know Ben Bates is a, a well, he's a let's just he's a crossbred from all sorts of areas. Yeah, no, I've got a he's bit, Dutch, bit he's Indonesian, he's, uh, he's he's Kiwi, and he's also Aussie. But I got a story. Um, um, I was raised in uh, Te Atatū, uh, the Rising Sun. It's a suburb in West Auckland. Um, anyway, I was known to Sergeant Pringle. Um, who now has his own statue in Chiaratu. He's a revered um, country uh, policeman at the time. And, um, you know, I chased some horses in a paddock and they were sort of running perilously close to the highways. So the, uh, the sergeant was uh, sent to find me and I was hiding under a bridge. And, yeah, but he knew the hiding spots. <laughs> and, um, and then, you know, at a later stage, uh, I had a motorcycle and um, I was teaching my mate how to ride it. And... Um, he, he panicked and uh, didn't put the brakes on. We ran right into the passenger door of uh, Sergeant Pringle's uh, squad car. <laughs> and then, what are we going to do? So we hid down the, the, the toilets uh, by, by, by the river there. And, of course, you know, he knows where all the hiding yeah. spots are. Anyway, he said to me, um, uh, Baudouin, you come from a good family. He says, we're going to take you up to, uh, to my office. And he took me into the office. And he pulled out a big book of all the uh, con uh, people that he had secured as conviction and said, I don't want to see you in this book, Baldwin. And then he brought me back in the, in the squad car to my mum. And my mum, you know, she wept and, oh, you know, you're going to kill us, son. And so I sort of, um, but I guess the country policing, um, when it comes from uh, making a difference, um, is such a powerful um, tool of uh, managing that young energy um, and sort of redirecting it. Um, and I've been forever grateful for Sergeant Pringle, mm. um, you know, for um, the... Giving you that guidance the, and giving you the, that... Giving, giving guidance in his own yeah. particular way, um, uh, pointing out that my pathway 
could lead me in a direction that um, you know that would be upsetting for me and for my family and and for and for and for him and um, yeah so and the shout out to Sergeant Pringle um, and his statue in Teatatu yeah. that he's revered because he made such a difference. Well, he became unlikely at first, but a role model for you in essence, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, a corrective to um, a, a young energy that, yeah. that um, was boundless. You know, I was, rock, uh, yeah. I was, a, I was a bit yeah. of a, a um, not a care in the world. I just yeah. wanted to make mischief. <laughs> I think and, I, and we were lucky we did uh, our mischief in a, a pre digital time sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. well you weren't going to get caught with someone <laughs> with, uh, <laughs> yeah that's true oh well yeah. I was um I was a naughty boy when I was little too but uh well younger um but you, you do you you know when, when you first spoke it's all about uh, your pathway or your recovery and that can be even coming out of your teenage years into into your 20s of course moving into the workforce and that ambiguity of you know what's going to happen now or what you know I'm in the big bag world mum wants mum and dad want me out of home and, and all these things so. yeah the big thing that came out uh, of that uh, yarn there Bo was the uh, fact that um, he, he gave a chance mm. yeah and explained the options mm. yeah and then left it to the individual yeah, so yeah, well yeah, yeah it's your call yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's the options. I'll, I'll give you a chance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Um, it was always always my call to actually uh, to to hear what he was actually saying. Yeah. But he was actually mm. sketchy, sketching it out um, and saying, "But you know, if you're going to go down this path, I'm going to be there." You know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah. Well, it's uh, I'll, I'll follow up. Yeah, boundaries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. a terrific point, guys. You know, uh, I, I had that. You know, with with my cardiologist, he was very much so like that. You know, and he sort of said to me, "Look, you now." When I saw you five years ago, you were 13 out of 100 of chance of having, you know, cardiac arrest or stroke. Now you're, you're 25, so we, you know, and you said it's up to you what you want to do with your life. If you want to give up those cigarettes and if you want to start eating healthier, um, which a lot of people sort of look at me and they go, well, you look pretty fit. But, uh, it's, it's not the case when you've got it, uh, you know, the history of it. But he gave me that choice. And that had so much more of an impact on me than I think my own GP or perhaps many other doctors that had uh, tried to tell me not to smoke, of course. Uh, we'll just go to a quick break, lads. Um, I might actually stick a couple of songs back to back. Um, and just uh, we'll be back in about uh, five to six minutes. It's a men's mental we had uh, Jimmy Eat World with uh, The Middle and then, uh, of course, the late, great David Bowie with uh, Heroes. Um, we're back on, on the Men's Mental Health Show. Just a moment. If I'm just going to test something. Is that coming? Yeah. That's better, is it? Okay, that's fine. All right. So it was just that simple thing with the levels. Um, and, uh, of course, we're with our, um, our guest today, Chief Inspector Gary Sims, um, and, of course, uh, co-host Bodie, Bodie Marzen, uh, local psychotherapist. Um, uh, 0416 Yeah. How about that? That's the first time I think in four weeks I've got it right. 0424 That's Bodie's That's number. It. And if, if you're, you're listening, because um, uh, I don't often see the, the phone that's on the desk here for the landline if that rings, but uh, you could uh, send me uh, a text message uh, on 0404. 077666 if you'd like to ask either Gary, Bodie or myself anything um, in relation to uh, what we're talking about today. We might uh, actually move on to a, a, another topic um, and because uh, we were meant to have, uh, we, we're talking about uh, our Indigenous backgrounds with the Aboriginal here in Australia and, and New Zealand, the Maori. Um, uh, but we, David King apologises, he, he can't be with us today. He was originally to come on, but of course he's, ha he's down at M Mittagong, I think, at the moment. Um, and, uh, you know, I think he works a couple of jobs anyway, so it's uh, very good of him. We've, we've been doing some um, uh, legwork with trying to um, have our local police stations uh, fly the flag and um, uh, respectfully uh, we've... we've uh, I guess, uh, and also too, and I want to say thank you to Superintendent Jones for replying so quickly um, and for taking my call last week. So just to give the listeners, uh, keep everyone up to date, um, there's a protocol that must be followed with, within uh, the police flags um, and we're looking at uh, hopefully having that changed. Um, 
And, and, and it's only for the right reasons, but it's in no way meant to be a beat up on, on the police. They're only doing what has been set by them to follow. Um, uh, however, we've, it's, uh, you know, we talk about uh, the fact that we're so generous, so fortunate to have um, a culture of the oldest living human race in this country. Um, and, and in my opinion, I think that flag should be before our Australian flag, if, the, if, it, if it is. But um, we're, we're now, we've spoken to Gladys Berejiklian's office. She's written back and she's behind it. Uh, so she's now put us onto the, the police minister for emergency services. Uh, David Elliott. David Elliott. Yeah. So we're going to give David a, a week to contact us, which is plenty of time. I, I think Gladys's office, uh, incidentally, happy 50th for Gladys Berejiklian. I think she turned 50 the other day. We got back to us within two days. Um, and... and you know, to, to just to, for the listeners to know, that Superintendent Jones did say to me he'd like to have the flag up. He, he said, in his, his words were, don't get me wrong, I'd like to see it up as well. So um, I'd like to think that not in the not too distant future we can have that up at our local when perhaps all police stations as Western Australia, South Australia and um, Northern Territory are certainly moving towards themselves. Um, yeah, so what do you think? You're on slide with that? Do you think it's... Oh, yeah, no, look, absolutely. Um, I read uh, Bruce Pascoe's book, Dark Emu. Um, I invite everybody to uh, you know, find a copy in the library or, or buy a copy. Um, basically, um, he is um, an ab Aboriginal uh, history uh, background himself, and he, he examined a lot of the early settlers who arrived in Australia um, and their impressions of the environment around them and what they saw. Um, and there's a rich um, um, in the reports which are held um, in state libraries um, of intensive cultiv cultivations, um, intensive uh, farming of fish um, and the, the use of streams and fish traps and that sort of stuff. Um, and also very large buildings, uh, some of them capable of holding up to 40 people. So we have this idea that um, there was not very much in the way of occupational evidence. But Bruce Pascoe's book, and Gamage is another uh, writer who has wrote, written extensively of this, says, look, that is not true. Um, um, uh, these people had a, um, an, an ability to read country um, and to exploit its resources and to manage it, which required effort and work. Um, so Bruce Pascoe's recent book um, challenges a lot of assumptions. And certainly, you know, at a political level, terra nullius, which was the idea that there was no one here before um, white, pe white people came, um, it, you know, it's an old, partly what we're sort of dealing with here, I think, um, as, what, as you say, is that um, our Aboriginal history um, is a national treasure. Mm. And um, it's a living national treasure. And we haven't, we're still caught in some reluctance to embrace fully what that actually might mean for our country mm. and how it would authenticate um, uh, what it is to be Australian. Mm. Um, and I'm, I'm so looking forward to the day. I think the flag uh, raising at Katoomba is an act of inclusion, an mm. act of respect, um, and, and, and an act of deep listening, dadari, yeah, of you know. Um, and, of course, um, there are um, some people who may feel um, that um, that this is not a meaningful issue. But I can tell you, having worked um, um, among Māori community, that um, recognition of um, Indigenous people um, and the recognition of Aboriginal people is a piece of work that uh, does need to, to, to be ongoing and needs to be powerfully... We need leadership on this. We mm. need um, uh, the government, I think, to actually come to the party constitutionally, um, but also, um, you know, in terms of um, the living situation of many Aboriginal people who still operate um, under a, a trauma, uh, mm. um, you know, mm. in terms of loss. Disease was devastating. Smallpox, uh, influenza devastated um, Aboriginal communities the desolation that came out of that, as well as the colonisation, which basically said, 
we, we don't place much value on your knowledge. Um, you've got to actually um, uh, adopt our ways. And that's been a, a, a methodology that's employed right throughout the world with the indigenous people. What's really interesting in New Zealand at the moment is with Kauri dieback, is that there's a working party that includes um, Maori knowledge about husbandry um, and scientific knowledge that comes from, um, from um, you know, the white perspective of, of examining science or using scientific methodology. Mm. So they've got a working party to examine the uh, Kauri dieback, mm. but they've actually, uh, of equal weight, is um, Maori knowledge um, about mm. forests. And um, so they're working together to come up with um, a way of being which is sustainable, but also preserves the awesomeness of Kauri forests. And, and, and I think we, we need to have the same understanding with our indigenous uh, uh, people uh, in terms of their knowledge. That's where the king is so good. You know, they have, a, they have an unbelievable knowledge mm. that we've only scratched the surface of. Mm. And I would love to see, um, uh, uh, you know, the Australian government take the lead on this and really start funding deep research and deep, uh, deep understanding to reclaim uh, something of the sustainability story that Aboriginal people... For, 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 if, if we're looking at 70,000 years of occupation, mm. they would have had to have a sustainability model oh. as a given. Yeah. So um, I'm, I keep thinking... Um, you know, we've got so much more to extract from that sustainability model mm. because that is the way of the future. We can't keep exhausting resources in, um, in the world and expect it to function. We have to actually adopt a sustainability um, a, a, a understanding that drives our ongoing and future behaviours. Mm. So I'm excited by this, um, you, know, you know, this reclim... Re 150 years ago, we were talking about soothing the brow of a dying race. Mm. Now, that's not, I'm not making this up. Mm. Th this is well documented in Australian history. Mm. We thought we were soothing uh, the brow of a dying race. But in fact, they're, um, they're, they're clinging to old knowledge um, and, to, and, keep, and keep showing up. Reco mm. uh, we've had to step back from a f a weird ideas that we had, and I think we need to open our uh, uh, um, heart and eyes and ears well to said. what is Aboriginal knowledge, what is Torres Strait Island knowledge, um, and explore its sustainability uh, roots and its inherent wisdom. Mm. And, um, and then I think Australia can become Australia. Mm. Um, mm. Um, to be in, in a very one, yeah. deep sense. And I think right throughout the world there is an insight that... Indigenous communities, indigenous culture, has something to, powerful to teach us about the step forwards from today and the future. Mm. Right mm. throughout the world, there's increasing evidence of we're listening and we need to listen. Yeah, very well said, Bodie, um, and, and some terrific points. Um, but you know what I sort of pick up mainly from that is the, the and we've got, also got to remember this is a show of, of mental mental health. Um, but it is, and it does impact when you have a sense of not belonging. Um, and then that's not entirely the, the police's fault. I'm not saying that by any means. I just think that when we have um, unity or unification in, I mean, we've got the courthouse, which, which are alongside of each other. We've got this building, the Tate building. We've got both the Aboriginal and Australian flags. And we've also got the council. Um, it, it, it sort of, I guess... It, it, the words that I got that I'm from speaking to the Indigenous community here are um, some of them are afraid, um, but at the same time, some of them are ratbags. Um, when I say them, I don't mean to, to, to put them into uh, a box of, uh, for themselves because we need to blend in. David King, for me, is he's he, what a man. I mean, he's so, so, such a beautiful man. He's so kind and generous and forgiving, um, and he doesn't like to talk about the past. You know, every time we've had him on here, he doesn't. He, and he wants to talk about, let's, what, what can we do now? He, get, he gets down there, if he's not working 
then he's time off it, it, in, his, in his normal, uh, well, it's not his normal job because he works as, um, in, as a nurse. But uh, down the back here, at, uh, behind the aquatic centre, of course, you know, bringing bush regeneration there and reclaiming the land in the sense of getting it back to its original way, uh, the flora and fauna. He's down there, he's Wentworth Falls Lake, um, you wow. know. And, and, he's, and if people come by, he loves to have a chat, mm. you know. He, and, you know, we've, we've <laughs> joked about him on a couple of occasions, Gary and I, saying he's, he could say anything to us. And we, oh, we, believe, right. we, we believe him. He's um, yeah. genuine. Uh, he mm. is. He is a complete, genuine man. So mm. I think the great thing that it would do is for the mental health within the community of the uh, Aboriginal people is that to, to have that sense of belonging or, or unification, if you like, the unity and community, as we once spoke of, um, it, it can only bring positives. It can only be um, seen as a good step forward. Uh, forget about what's happened. I mean, we're in the year 2020 now. Um, yeah, get on board. I know I can't, but I'm not going to put uh, uh, the chief in a situation here, so I'm not going to sort of uh, direct questions at you in regards to this, because I know that uh, you, you can't really comment on certain things, and um, that's protocol for where you stand. So I, re I respect that, mate. But I also, too, want to say to the listeners that um, Gary, uh, who's from the Windsor Local Area Command, um, when doing the walk and talk, always acknowledges our local... Uh, indigenous people, um, uh, past and present, and um, I, I admire you very much so for doing that. So thanks, man. And I know that David King does as well. Well, it, um, my approach to policing is the the old adage from Sir Robert Peel, the father of modern policing, that the police are the community, and the community are the police. And you know, we we incorporate uh, people from various sections of the community. We're uh, we're all in this together. Yeah, and, and and I only sent a message this morning to to David to say, look, I think what's not a bad idea is if we can get a, a community meeting with with Superintendent Jones, um, and maybe with Susan Templeman, or and and from both Darug and Gundungurra country, um, some elders, and we sit down and work out ways that we can improve things. That's you know. Look, look I, I think we can't underestimate the level of goodwill. Yeah. Uh, that does exist um, um, but behind a, an, an idea of being a kinder um, a people um, in the Blue Mountains, um, but in, the, in Australia-wide, um, be kinder to each other. I think this is the underlying message of recovery and, um, and relief from suffering um, is, uh, is, is the uh, energy of kindness. I think... See, I've done a lot of work. I, for, for three years I ran um, domestic violence groups uh, exclusively with men... Mm. Uh, for uh, Blacktown Probation and Parole. Um, they couldn't believe it. I achieved a 97% um, recidivism rate. People did wow. not re-offend um, after going through what was a 16-week program. And um, I, um, I was sometimes I was running two or three of those programs a week. Um, men want to grow up. Mm. You know, if mm. you, if we, I, think, I think the lesson for me is that if, if, you, give, if you give the programs and, you get, and the right people are um, uh, providing the leadership in these programs, um, men wake up. Men mm. want to move away mm. from being a statistic um, or a predator, mm. uh, sometimes, or, um, you know, that, uh, that they might be called, um, and, 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 and show up, you know, yeah. as a responsible citizen. Um, and... Um, I think we need much more in the way of programs and men's services that target men who are struggling or who have a history of offending in the past. Um, and I know in the jail systems um, that they do run programs. There's some excellent facilitators providing a program um, uh, in, the, in the jails for men who have offended. Um, so shout out to them. Um, but my fundamental, fundamental premise is that um, men do want to grow up. Um, and w w I think we need a program of growing leadership. And I think we need to find um, people in the community who may have erred on the wrong side at times, but we want to talk about leadership that actually, in the end, um, grows a sense of consciousness that is inclusive uh, rather than oppositional. Mm. And I'd, I, I want to throw, I'd love to throw effort um, at um, leadership mm. programs, wow. inviting men to start to show up. 
um, in their community, um, like David has, like David mm. King has. Mm. Um, hi, David. Um, because he, you know, and, and yourself, Gary, um, that you're stepping outside the sort of usual framework of policing and taking and broadening its vocational value and saying um, this is about uh, inclusivity, mm. um, this is about showing up, this is about offering away, this is about listening. I think that, you know, uh, that's the vision, that's, that yeah. is leadership, and, that, yeah. and I'm right behind that. Oh, <laughs> he goes all right, doesn't he, Gary? No, he goes very well. <laughs> a, lot of, uh, a lot of important things there, and, you know, those, um, those groups are, um, uh, are very important, and particularly where we can get um, the older, experienced men uh, teaching young men. You know, I, I heard heard a story a while ago from a, uh, a fellow who was a uh, a dog trainer, and his, uh, the presenter was saying about having more than one dog. And this fellow said, "Well, if you get uh, two dogs, you got fifty percent of a dog. You get three dogs, you got no dogs at all. Mm. You know, dogs have a specific role in life, and they'll do it." He said, "The time you look at um, having more than one dog." is when your dog is a little bit older, it knows how to be a dog, and oh. you put a young dog with it, you said that dog will teach it. Yes. It'll, yeah. t- it'll teach what it has to do. And, you know, we, we need men to stand up in the community and, uh, and talk to our, our younger men coming through and say, well, this is what a man does, this is how we live, and this is how we, we exhibit humanity in, in, a, in a community. Mm. So it's a look, look I, can't, I can't endorse that enough, Gary. I, I see young men um, in my practice and um, the uh, ache for an older man to provide an ear and some, uh, and some well-chosen words and, um, and some idea of their journey and, and how they've become... Um, boys are always looking at their fathers and hoping for a gem mm. uh, to fall their way. And um, I'm just always astonished by just how powerful that yearning is for an older man to show up um, and um, provide a, 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 lis- a listening and some wise advice. Mm. And, mm. A, and a wise man um, does have wise advice. And the way that he listens to a young fellow is to say, well, what are you thinking about that? Yeah. Um, if, if you want to use my wisdom, what do you think will come out of my mouth? But I want to hear it come out of your mouth. Mm. Wow. Mm. You wow. Know, the young fellow is actually being, has to think then yeah. about what is wise advice and what could he tell himself. Yeah. Um, but, that, but that form of relationship, that form of relating... Um, comes out of uh, deep, deep knowledge, deep understanding, and uh, and, you're, and you're quite right. An older dog or an older man has the sharp edges been knocked off him. Um, uh, there's a re, uh, you know that his over, overweening confidence has been shot down a little bit by, by life's sort of challenges. Mm. Um, and there's a humility and a harmony um, in the response that touches directly to the truth of something so absolutely absolutely and when, when you bounce back to uh, what we're talking about a little earlier the uh, the impact of indigenous people and and tribal communities where the, the elders passed on so much mm. yeah mm. is yeah. A, a thing that we can yeah, learn yeah. from yeah yeah absolutely mm. absolutely. Mm. absolutely no it's yeah you both speak very well boys um <laughs> and you know why um I've, I've found, we talk a lot about my recovery over the last five years and this show having an enormous impact on, on the way of getting me to where I am today. But I, I've found that during that time, um, not only listening to other people that have had or lived with similar um, uh, situations that I've been in or, or, or currently living with, um, but to also um, understand that... Um, uh, I've almost forgotten what I was going to say. Um, that in 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 becoming as one, it, it's it, to take ownership, 
to, to eat, as you were, I think you were sort of leading to, to have that piece of humble pie as a man that gets older. He is more polished, he is more refined, he is more around the fact that it's okay to say I'm wrong. It's okay yeah. to say that this yeah. is the change isn't a bad thing. It's an okay thing for me to say, right, what I did back then in those days, it was wrong, and to teach my son that. And that's something that I'm working on myself very um, hard at the moment. Um, but I couldn't work on that until I, I got to where I am at the moment. But I think that's a, a, an important thing that you say on, on men having to become and having to change. And the older we get, the more wiser we are. Some yeah. good points. Particularly if you do some reflective work and some, um, and some um, willingness to bend your knee and to listen. You know, mm. um, I think listening too is a powerful thing. I remember... Um, the best times for me was listening at the feet of Māori women on the marae, talking in Māori. I had no idea what they were saying. But I just knew that the conversation um, had meaning um, and I was being taught something. And I couldn't tell you what it was. Mm. Uh, mm. But I knew I needed uh, um, to sit quietly at female wisdom and take something on board. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, and I say it quite often, it truly is one of life's greatest assets to be a good listener. It is. It's a life asset. You're a good listener. You're going to go a long way in this world. And I think that was what was wrong with me just a moment ago. I lost my thought because I was too busy listening to you. So, and, and you know what's beautiful about uh, uh, the, the business of talking uh, um, and trying to understand something? Um, we are, if we think about becoming, um, and sometimes the words are, are hard to find, what we're searching for is a new source of inspiration, a new colour to the way that we actually start to move in life. And so our subjectivity um, begins to become um, a, of a deeper basis rather than just a surface reaction to existence. So often the searching for words or that, where am I going with this, um, the, the beauty of that is that we're uh, constructing another story mm. and a more powerful story. Mm. And, and I just love the opportunity, you know, when young people say to me, I, um, I don't know, I don't know, I don't mm. know, I don't know. Mm. How many times have I heard that um, mm. in, in session uh, in my practice? And I, and I often say, um, hang in there, uh, take your time. Mm. Um, what is it that you would like to say or what is it that you... Um, what are the words that you're wondering about? Um, I remember this young fellow uh, uh, um, in New Zealand. Uh, we were on his marae and the, old, the elders said, boy, speak. Mm. Um, and he was all, of, you know, 19 or 20. Um, and then um, the komatua, the old chief, he said, son, he said, Look up the rafters, the words are on the rafters, they're ready to tumble into you. Um, and he started, um, and then the, the young fella started weeping, and then out of his um, mouth uh, became the Māori words, tahi, tafariya tūnei tenakwe, he started to speak to his people. He raised his eyes first to the rafters, the words started to fall into him, and he started to speak. Um, and he'd what, been. What did he say when you, and if you can well, put he, that in he, Pākehā? He, he, he started to talk about um, um, the reality of the Marae and the belonging that, that was there for him um, and the alienation that he had, had felt by becoming a gang member um, and he was returning to be with his people in Tomaranui. And, um, and, uh, and he was saying, I'm, I'm sorry for the trouble I've caused the people and, I, and I'm, I'm here to learn. Mm. You know? I'm here to listen. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, the tears are streaming down my eyes l listening to um, his return. Mm. It felt like the prodigal son. Yes. You know, I've stuffed up, but I'm, I'm back here, Dad. I'm mm. having to go. Mm. And, um, you know, powerful biblical truths in that. Yeah. yeah. Right. Very powerful. Very powerful. With the uh, Men's Mental Health Show, we'll just go to another quick break and uh, come back for the, uh, the last third of the program um, with our guest today, Chief Inspector Gary Sims, and, uh, of course, my co-host, Bodie Marsden. Paul's Boutique, an exploration, a musical journey, Wander from room to room, look in high and low places. 
Browse and explore dusty boxes of LPs, various music, past and present, jazz and funk, blues and disco, reggae and soul, mixes and matches. 6 to 8 every Tuesday, Radio 89.1 RBN. Radio Blue Mountains 89.1 FM, streaming live now. <laughs> Honey in a river, darling. to discuss about uh, yeah um, always a, um, about um, it, is this the men's mental health show and I, I, I've been working with a, with a young fellow well he's um, 37 um, her, uh, both his parents are immigrants to um, to, to Australia um, his uh, mum and dad divorced when he was uh, eight um, and he had a very uh, difficult um, reaction to his uh, mum and dad sort of finishing up um, and um, unfortunately his dad also uh, went into a sort of a grief that he couldn't sort of um, extricate himself out of it so didn't really have much of a relationship with his son. This young fellow, um, uh, what he basically did was um, staunched up within himself to say I've got to find my own answers through, uh, about life. And so he, he, effectively he was staggering around um, trying to understand the challenges of existence um, and relationship. Um, and um, in, in effect he was an angry young man because he was so on his own um, and didn't have any guidance. Um, now he's been seeing me on and off, you know, maybe for one or two sessions over the last 10 years um, and um, not, not, nothing regular, um, but always, um, he said, you're the only person I can talk to. You're the only wow. friend that I've got. Wow. Um, um, you know, now he's six foot six, he's big, you know, I mean, t uh, tall, um, imposing. Um, but recently, he's dropped the armour. He's dropped the idea wow. that he's on his own. Um, and, he, and he said... Bodhi, this is really uncomfortable. When I was certain about the path I was on, I seemed to be able to ignore um, um, my own anxiety or my own fear or, or my own confusions or my own uncertainties. And now that I'm open to this world, um, uh, uh, sometimes I get uh, really frightened. Sometimes mm. I get really confused. Sometimes I, I weep. Uh, um, and, you know, I said to him, you know, only, only three or four days ago, um, when you drop the armouring, that's kind of what happens. The world becomes a deeper and more complex place. And it does take a while to navigate the new territory from a place of stillness and from a place of uncertainty. So, so hang in there, uh, you know, let's return to do some work. Um, and I'll keep holding on to you mm. while you are navigating this new territory. And we'll make sense of what's going on for you um, because you surrendered that old, staunched-up sort of place within yourself. Um, but it's now redundant. Oh, that's massive kudos to, to the young fella. Yeah, absolutely. Um, massive kudos. Yeah. I mean, um, I, I struggle with that still today, at, yeah. you know, with a lot of things. Yeah, um, yeah. So, you know, to... Uh, release that uh, the armor. That's oh, what I always call it as well. Mm. You know, or the mask, or what we hide behind it. Yeah. Um, not wish to sort of deal with. It. And that's um, yeah. that's terrific, Bodes. That's yes. a that's a great story. Yeah. Of course, uh, Bodes is uh, Bodie Marzen, um, M A A S E N, is uh, located at Wentworth Falls. Um, you can contact him on 0416 424 969. 
Uh, if you'd like to uh, add to the discussion, if you or anyone you know would like to come on the show or have a, short, a story in relation to mental health, please get in contact um, with myself. Uh, you can go to Men's Mental Health Show on Facebook or Bradley, L-E-Y that is, Spillane, S-P-I-L-L-A-N-E. Um, my, both my pages are public. Of course, you could also go on to um, the website, which is www.mensmentalhealthshow.com. And a uh, big thanks to Noel Pope, and, and good luck uh, for this uh, coming Friday, uh, 300k round trip for Noel uh, to raise money for uh, mental health and uh, to help you know keep this show going, and also to to Dale Hunt, Chief mate. It's always a pleasure having you on. And I know I've gotten you up early this morning. He actually came up here and sent me a message around quarter past ten to say. Um, Come on in, Greg. Jeff, come on in. So to say, mate, I'm here. And I said, oh, I think you might be a bit early to chief. So it was uh, earlier the first time and late the second. <laughs> that's, well, that's right. Yeah, two digs at it. But uh, no, it's always a pleasure to have you on, mate. Um, and I appreciate your input and, um, you know, cracking shirt. I'll, uh, the first person I'll send that off to is the king. Um, but yeah, all the best. Cheers, mate. It's uh, always good to reach out and... Uh, Talk to other men in the community and to uh, to the wider community as well. Yeah, good on you, Gary. All right, boys. We'll see you next week. Uh, actually, next week we've got uh, Blue coming in and we've also got uh, uh, retired veteran and um, uh, men's uh, uh, mental health act advocate, uh, Craig Ball, um, which will be a good show. Um, he's done some tours of Iraq, Afghanistan, um, and he's now dedicating his time to helping um, return soldiers return to the community or blend into the community. So it should be a good show. Everyone, just tune in, please. All the best. Very Cheers. Good. Thank you.